1: Welcome to The Situation Room.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Situation Room. I am here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. He's at Gabe Fergie on Twitter. I'm Jordan Co. I'm at Raven Sit Room. Super excited to be coming back at you. I mean, it is. The Ravens are looking like an incredible team. We talked a little bit about it in our hot takes. We're going to go over that. But, I mean, Gabe, I don't know about you. I'm still riding high from... Uh, everything that we saw from this team you know in the last three or four weeks they they've just really looked like they've got it
2: yeah I mean it's a fun place to be um being as a fan you know feeling like this team is kind of unstoppable right now like they're they're looking good on both all three phases of the game both sides of the ball offense defense um obviously a special team has improved a lot. Something we t- talked about earlier in the season, which was kind of a little bit of a Achilles heel potentially. And it seems like they figured that out. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. Like I, I I'm still a little bit unsure. Like, is that week in week out consistency going to be there? Um, I, I want to hope so. And, and recently has been, but um, it it's, we have some time now to kind of figure out exactly what this team is. I think we know, what we want it to be. We've seen the glimpses of it when it's all come together. Um, but can they do that consistently? I think that's that's the question that's going to decide you know, how good of a team they are down the rest of the, the season. How good are they once it comes to the playoffs? Are they going to be able to shake some of those postseason demons that they've had in the past and, and come out and look like that complete team that they have over the past few weeks? And I think that's the question that's probably in a lot of fans' minds right now.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think the one thing is I've been thinking about this too that I would throw out there to fans and people that are watching this team is that dismantling a 5-2 and two team like the Ravens did to Seattle that was playing pretty well overall before the Ravens game had only, you know, was competitive in terms of where they were in the points allowed range for the league, you know, had a decent but not great offense, you know. The domination that the ravens put on to like detroit like these are good teams that the ravens are from a score and final outcome perspective absolutely clobbering um and it's hard in the nfl i mean we saw it in the arizona game some inconsistencies popped up there um you got to go on the road and travel to the west coast that's going to play a part in how some of those things go but you're just i mean this situation where you know you have this pipe dream of like the undefeated, like Patriots teams, right? That like, for the most part, are going to like steamroll 14 of their games, play two close games. Those are like, like, those kind of expectations are unrealistic. But for the way that the Ravens are playing, from a week to week perspective right now, and what has been kind of like a more and more erratic league, I mean, the officiating feels like it's all across the board constantly with some of these teams, which makes it really hard um, to be consistent in some of these games, Um, you know, at at whatever level that is, it only takes one or two plays to flip an entire game. And the Ravens have been impressive um, in terms of their ability to kind of be consistent in it overall. So, you know, we, we should be excited about this team, but you know, I want to temper that, but at the same time, say, you know, credit the Ravens for the consistency of, of kind of what, you, you know, we've seen the inconsistencies, but, you know, you saw Kansas City go down to a team like Denver, right? Like those are, yep. you know, those are games that they shouldn't, you know, that shouldn't be lost in the process of that. It's similar to the Ravens losing to Pittsburgh. Those things kind of happen. If they can avoid those losses the rest of this year, this is going to be a dangerous team. So, you know, let's review some of these hot takes that we put out there earlier this week. You know i think the first one i i said i came right out of the gate and said this is the best the defense has been since 2000 i rewatched the seattle game and i think i still i i think that's still the case you know and, and whether or not you want to say it was if, if, uh, the 2006 defense or you know one of the other defenses that played really well and that's the, the barometer you want to set um i i'm having a really hard time seeing how this defense is not going to be the thing that carries this team you know through and through the rest of this year um, There were some inconsistencies and we'll talk about that more on offense overall, but the defense's pass rush is coming from all kinds of different places. You're seeing it up the middle. You're seeing it on the edge. You're seeing it, you know, you're seeing it from the guys in the secondary. You're seeing sacks happen because the secondary is kind of completely covering everything up. You're seeing creative stunt blitzes and these incredible packages that Mike McDonald is throwing at them at every single level. The Ravens are getting maximum performance from this defense overall. And it's just, I think it's going to be a masterclass. I think I think it's going to be a wide margin when the season is said and done in terms of points allowed um, for the Ravens, who are already kind of ahead of the where the Browns are in that that sense already from a defensive perspective. Um, and I think these guys are – you know, you still got Marcus Williams potentially coming back. I think Bowser is probably a cooked proposition overall on the year this year. Um, but you have two opportunities in, in Ajabo Bowser – or three opportunities in Ajabo Bowser – and Marcus Williams to still get reinforcements on top of this defense that's been playing really well, which also means that it leaves room for if there is some kind of injury or something fluke were to happen, there's still regression in terms of performance overall there from the, the Ravens team perspective that you got to be excited about.
2: Yeah. they. um It's, it's, I agree with you. I mean, on rewatch, it was, especially when you look at like the all 22, um, there's aren't receivers that are open downfield um, very, very rarely. It, it's, and it's it's not like, you know, they're kind of getting by with kind of like smoke and mirrors and they're, they're getting lucky with some of, you know, like six and seven man blitzes. Like this was predominantly for some five man blitz uh, or some bringing some of fifth, fifth man, but it's a lot of, you know, just winning up front, which is, I think is one of the more impressive parts of it because we're having individuals just like win the one-on-one situations and, the cool thing is you know that there is some scheme advantages that they're being given you know they're being there are some like smart things the way that McDonald is working to like align his pass rushers to get them one on one matchups, do some of the stunts you mentioned so that you can you know manipulate the way the offensive line can can kind of react to the players aligned in different places and then moving and then trying to figure out who's picking up who It definitely creates some confusion um i do think it is reminiscent of of Rex Ryan i think there is a there is like a through line from that organized chaos of you know what what that defense has looked like in times and, you know there's a little bit of link Martindale in there as well you know he did some of those things with the simulated pressures but there's much less of a reliance on blitz And i think that is much more sustainable from a defensive standpoint, because you don't have to necessarily bring those extra defenders. You can have six, seven guys in coverage. So there is not going to be that, you know, that wide receiver, or that tight end or that running back running free down the field, because there's someone who's always going to have him um, in some sort of, you know, coverage scheme. And, and it doesn't mean there's never going to be an open receiver. It doesn't mean there's never going to be completions downfield. Um, but the, 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 offense basically has to do everything correctly. Um, and and if, if, if it's one player up front that gets beat or, you know, the receiver um, isn't able to get open, the quarterback isn't having time to get to a second read in most of these situations. And he's having pressure in his face. And it's just, it's just a pretty, it's just a dominant, dominant defense right now. And I, I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Whether you said it's 2006, 2000, doesn't matter. This is the best Ravens defense that they've had um, statistically, I think lines up with that as well. And it's, it's just incredible. And I think, Honestly, it is the strength of the team right now. As good as the offense has looked at times, this team is 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 winning. And if, if it needs to come down to it, they will continue to win because of their defense. And the offense is can, can be you know inconsistent, inconsistent and shaky at times. But because of how good the defense is, is played, I don't think it's going to matter.
0: Yeah, I, I, it, it's it's been really impressive. Love to see it. I Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen also have really tightened up what they do in the middle of the field. They've forced teams to try and make decisions and do things in the middle of the field. It's been, I I think the Ravens are going to have a really interesting decision to make with Patrick Queen because I do think that his combination with Roquan Smith is dynamic in a unique way. Um, And the Ravens are going to have to think about whether or not there's a way to keep both of them together because I think that it's allowed them to use other guys and the, the secondary is, not as talented I, I mean just across the board not as talented as some of these elite raven secondaries have been and you can get away with molette and darby and rocky Sin and Gino stone gino stone who have all played really well that is not a discredit to any of them but those are not chris McAllister, you know ed reed like some of the top end guys the ravens have have you know sometimes had in their secondary um and so I, I, i'm gonna be really interested to see kind of what happens with that at the end of the year but you know, you took it a step further. I said the defense was the best. You said that this is the, the basically the most talented roster the Ravens have ever seen across the board. Uh, is that still what you saw on tape after the Seattle game? So,
2: I, I mean, I, I'm still sticking with that because I, I do think there is not just high-end talent, but also depth, um, and and that's on both sides of the ball. Um, I mean, this, this past week, the starting right tackle was out. You know, Morgan Moses, He's played really well this year. He's, he's probably been you know between him and Linderbaum probably the most consistent you know offensive lineman that they've had um but he didn't get to play because you know he's dealing with some nagging injuries um patrick Macari stepped in and had like and basically a, a clean sheet you know at a right tackle um and it's it, it wasn't necessarily the like the strongest you know opponent that he was going against i think their best pass rusher was often lined up against um, Ryan Stanley and, and Boy Mafe. Um, and there were some issues on, on that side a couple of times. But overall, you know, um, the offensive line, I think, is is good. You know, th- it, this may not be the most talented offensive line the Ravens have ever had, but it's it's still an above-average offensive line. It's probably, you know, given some of this situations with offensive lines around the league, I think it's probably, a, you know, a top-five unit. They're playing really well. The wide receivers, um, it seems like every single week there's a different wide receiver who's having a big game, you know, it's, it's, we've seen obviously the Zay Flowers weeks. We've seen, um, we've seen Nelson Aguilar have big games. This week was, was Odell Beckham who had, the, who had the big game for the wide receiver. The tight end group, we, got, we finally saw, um, um, well, Mark Andrews has been good all season, but we, we, we saw Isaiah likely have a good game this week. Um, seeing him more involved in the offense, I think is a very good thing. Obviously, the breakout of Keaton Mitchell at running back, like you just look at every single position all, across the board, and it's like, okay, we're just having, players playing at a very high level um and that's i I don't think you can really point to any any position and say okay that's a clear like weakness and i think even in years past some of the better teams we've had like 2019 when the ravens went 14 and 2 they were also like very very statistically um dominant in, in many senses um but they didn't have the talent i think at wide receiver for instance um you know the, the running back group was good but it wasn't probably as good as, as what they have now i mean mark ingram was when he was healthy was probably you know as good as maybe better than what we have at this point but he was banged up in, in the playoffs and they didn't really have any, any answer to that so like i think the ravens have that depth now at that position they have a keaton mitchell who can come in and be like a starting caliber running back um so yeah i i i totally believe that and um I mean, I didn't even talk about the defense. We already talked about the defense a little bit, but you know, every single position group—you are just these guys that are stepping up, um, guys who are you know potentially waiting to come in when the opportunity arises. Um, you know, two of the two of the major players who the Ravens had—they thought they would need a cornerback. You know, Rocky Asin and Ronald Darby, who especially Ronald Darby—he was playing a lot at the beginning of the season. He's basically not even seeing the field anymore because they have other players who are coming in, and it's like a sterile war. Daryl Worley, who's coming in and playing basically a starting safety role for them, um, with with Marcus Williams down and and Kyle Hamilton playing more of a slot position. So like, just have all these guys who are interchangeable. They have different roles, different responsibilities, and they're all playing at a very high level. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm fully. It, I I'm, I think that that take w- was actually pretty fair, and I, I I do think that this team is is loaded with talent, and it's a big reason why you know they've been so successful, along with along with good coaching too. So.
0: Yeah. And you know, my next take was flipped over to the other side of the ball on offense and kind of followed suit with years. I said, I think this team is going to average 30 points a game um, for the rest of the season. And what's interesting is watching this game. If I just watched the offensive side of the ball, I think I might walk this one back a little bit. And I might say that this is something that's not going to happen. But when you watch this team in its entirety, you saw a big return from DuVernay in this game. You see consistency from Justin Tucker and the special teams. You talked about that earlier, this is a team that's turning teams over. They're getting big stops and big downs to take big time losses. They're getting teams in second and third and longs regularly and making them make decisions about how they want to approach those things. They're making teams drive all the way down the field. Um, you know, I, I think back to the the first Cleveland game and you're like, oh yeah, it was a total blowout. And part of the reason for that was the dominance of the defense. And I think that We're going to see defensive scores in some of these games we're going to see advantageous field position in some of these games um i still think that the offense can get it going and get it clicking and at the end of the day you know the thing about this offense is that i mean you saw it on a couple plays right like one obviously keaton mitchell was a big part of this The, the ravens first of all i know you're i know justice hill is your boy but if lamar jackson and justice hill have one more fumble exchange He, he should be getting less touches to Keaton Mitchell because there is just not chemistry between the two of them. And I don't know whose fault that is. I don't know. I mean, Lamar doesn't have that chemistry problem on the handoff perspective with anyone else but Justice Hill. Um, And that's a problem. But Keaton Mitchell's ability to pop and break some of these plays is what's going to be the difference maker. The ability to close those runs that Justice Hill had earlier in this year, and some of which he had in his Browns game, which looked like breakaways, he's going to finish those runs because of his top end speed. They're going to turn those into points. They're going to, you know, you're going to continue to see Mark Andrews be the the person that breaks some of these plays. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later too. But I think you factor all those things in. The upside, the magic of Lamar. I mean, on that one play where. um, uh, I can't remember the end from Seattle's name. Uh, I want to I want to call him OA, but I know that's not right. Mafe, boy, boy, Mafe. Mafe, Okay, Mafe. Uh, comes around the edge and he had Lamar dead to rights, and then Lamar beats him twenty yards down the field for a game. Yep. I mean, you you've just got the you got a couple guys that are gonna make some magical plays from time to time on this Ravens team. Um, and and I I think when that if that's gonna continue to happen, there's no reason why this Ravens team shouldn't score thirty points a game.
2: Yeah, it it really comes down to I think them being consistent, um, reducing the turnovers. Like there were three fumbles again in this game. Two of them lost. Um, One of them was Odell Beckham, you know, kind of being careless with the football. The other one was Lamar, um, and it wasn't really Lamar's fault at all. This one, I don't I don't think he was a it was a it was on Ryan Stanley. Let's be honest. Like he got beat. Um, Lamar was going to throw the ball, and he was as the ball is. You know, his arm was cocked to throw it. He got stripped out. It happens. Um, The other one you mentioned as well. That's the one that's concerning. That's the one we've seen multiple times this year um, The Justice Hill, whatever. I don't know why they can't figure out that mesh point situation. Like uh, at some some point, you know, you're just going to have to take that out of the equation. And whether that means taking Justice Hill completely off the field, I don't think they're going to do that because I think they like some of the things he can do. Um, But that play um, is, is a problem because of that they need to they, they need to work on that if, if they're going to be doing that they need to work on it more and more and more um i've also you know there's a little few things like sometimes like i feel like there's just a miscommunication as to like the play and like the where the players are lined up like the running backs on the wrong side he's like, showing the fake to the player on the wrong side where he's on the other side like those kind of things happened a few times and there's halfway through the season those broken plays shouldn't be still happening. I understand that it's a new offense. I understand you're still trying to get through a few of these things, but like at this point, you know, you need to get that stuff settled out. So those are, those are some of the concerns. Um, Obviously the offensive line um, we've seen in the past be a major issue, whether that's injuries because both Morgan Moses and Ronnie Stanley are out, you know, that was obviously not the best place to be in. Um, I I think, you know, health wise are getting better. Hopefully it stays that way. Um, but you are still concerned a little bit about the way that they're performing. You know, Stanley hasn't looked completely himself. He's, I think, he's better than some people give him credit for. Like the, the bad plays have been really bad. Um, I think down to down basis, he's actually played pretty well. Maybe not up to the standard that we come to expect from him, but I don't think he's like a terrible left tackle by any stretch. Um, and and then you know, I it's just a matter of of just consistency. I think in run blocking, we've seen some games where they've been better than others. Just past game, they were dominant. And run blocking, pass blocking was a little bit more suspect. But you know, I, I feel like the talent is there as as we discuss. I think, you know, they have good players, they have good scheme. Um, and I do think, you know, that the 30 plus game margin is, is possible, but it's just a matter of are they gonna shoot themselves in the foot. You know, are they gonna have the three turnover game? Are they gonna have another eight drop game? If that happens then you won't when you, you won't do it, especially if it happens in big situations, but I feel like this team is locked in right now. I, you know, I think the coaching is been really good. I think that's part of what keeps them into, you know, focused and making sure that they don't have those kind of letdown games. because um, we have seen, you know, them play down to their opponents. That's one of the bigger concerns honestly. I, I feel like they've played much better against the good teams than they have against the bad teams. Um and in the playoffs that hopefully shouldn't matter, but you know, in order to get that potential one seed, you have to kind of beat up on all the teams, not just the ones that you know, you've, you're psyched up to, to play. Um, so that's something that I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing more consistency out down the road. But um, 30 points per game, totally doable. Well,
0: and you talked a little bit about consistency there. And, you know, you talked about Mike McDonald being the important cog as kind of your other hot take here from the coaching staff perspective. Um, you still feeling that way? Well,
2: I, I do think that, the the what John Harbaugh does to the for the team is is underrated I think he is a very good motivator I think he does have his guys generally well positioned he has a good game plan pretty much every week Um not always I think there have been some mistakes in coaching even this year Um but I, I think what Mike McDonald does for the team is is so important Um he's been just next level in terms of what he's coaching is. And if I had to make a decision moving forward, do I want John Harbaugh as my head coach or do I want Mike McDonald as my defensive coordinator? I still think I want Mike McDonald. Like, I know that sounds, that might sound crazy, but like, I mean, ideally I want both, but like, if, if there's maybe some sort of like plan you have in place over three years, you know, be defensive coordinator for the next two and then take it over as head coach, if they can kind of put, put together something like that, have like a handshake, you know, I feel like, it was always talked about in in New England that like Josh McDaniels you know would be the eventual successor for, for Bill Belichick. Well, Bill Belichick's still around and Josh McDaniels sucks, so that didn't really work out for them. <laughs> but th- that kind of agreement could be had here. I think that's an ideal scenario. You know, maybe pay him as the best coordinator in the league in the meantime, and just just have Stevie B open up his open up his pocketbooks and say, you know, having this defensive coordinator here for the next two years or three years, or however long needs to be is a critical aspect to us being a contender for that stretch of time, because what he's shown is that he can elevate talent. You know, he can take these guys who are street free agents and bring them in put them in roles where they're succeeding and not just succeeding, but like contributing to a dominant defense because looking at the roster at week one, this didn't look like it was the best defensive like team in the league. We thought maybe five, maybe top five, like, potentially, you know, have some good players, like, but they've all kind of play at, like, the high end of their potential outcomes. And that's been consistent week in and week out. That's the one thing that they've been consistent with, is the defense. Like, there hasn't been inconsistency there. So, I, I, I do think that you, this team needs to do everything they can to keep him in the fold. Um, if, he, if he decides to go and, you know, take a head coaching position somewhere at the end of the season, I won't begrudge him. But I feel like that a lot of people do that, you know, because it's sometimes it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, but if, if there is kind of like agreement, say stick around for a few more years and you'll get the opportunity here, um, I think that's probably the best of both worlds, especially from from a fan perspective.
0: You know, I gave this some thought because I am in agreement. Obviously, some of the things that Mike McDonald are doing are is really impressive. Um, but I, I thought back to some of these historical elite Ravens teams. Um, and you think about like, you know, Marvin Lewis, for example, and I'm sure that there were times when people are like Marvin Lewis was more critical than, than Brian Billick, right, for example. Um, and they they probably would have been wrong. But I think that the thing that I thought the most about was who were the other coaches on that staff with Marvin Lewis? And do the Ravens have that kind of situation? I mentioned this when we were talking about it um, on the prior podcast. I said, Chuck Smith has obviously been a game changer for this team, the, the, the pass rushers, have a much clearer plan about what they're trying to do the stunts collectively what they're trying to do as a unit how they're working together that has changed from this year to last year and mike mcdonald was here last year um i think that what he does kind of in the secondary and some of the things that he moves around there are elite but obviously he's getting some help some help there um anthony weaver and is another guy that is getting a lot of credit out of kind of other locker locker rooms and, or out of the locker room and from other players about kind of the performances that that they're getting out of these guys so I think that there are some good defensive coaches across the board there um and you know the longer you can keep this group of guys together and intact the, the better it is um, but eventually you're going to lose some of these guys to some other teams one way or another um you're not gonna you know you are gonna hopefully have somebody that's waiting in the wings um there's gonna be coming up behind John Harbaugh you hope the Ravens make the right choice about which one of those guys it is but at the end of the day we've got a really good set of coaches that are just getting everything to work at kind of every possible level of this team right now and it's 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 hard not to be kind of excited for what we're going to see from them overall um So those are our hot takes from the game. I mean, we've talked a little bit about the offense already and how clunky at times it was. And I think that that's worth kind of revisiting here as we wrap up the Seattle game. And I think it wasn't just kind of, I mean, you mentioned how, right, like the Gus Edwards play on like the two-yard line where Lamar goes to hand him the ball. He's not on the right side for the fake. He kind of kind of turns around and tries to hand it to him. Then he runs and he trips. And I think even Jim Nance in the moment was like, oh, Oh no! (laughs) He had just like a like this like reaction of like as like a what what a fan would do because he was just so surprised by what happened. I'm concerned about those moments. I'm also, I'm also just a little concerned. Like like at times, it just doesn't feel like they're completely in rhythm. Like, um
1: Close the Durban Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
0: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A lot of those situations, he's going to continue to bail them out of those situations. There are times that the Chiefs' offense look clunky throughout this off se- or through this season as well. And Patrick Mahomes bails them out of those situations too, right? Um, so you're going to get big third and long plays. You're going to get big dynamic plays from your big. Dynamic players, and that's going to happen. And the Ravens have ridden, ridden the coattails of that. All uh, that we have not quite seen everything come together from like that offensive proposals from the offensive performance, kind of as it's wrapped up in its entirety. Um, but we're not getting like, like after rewatching this game, this didn't look like a thirty-point performance from the starters in three quarters. Um, even though it was, <laughs> and some of that was due to turnovers and some of that was due to other things. The, the Detroit game was the opposite of that. It felt like the beat down that it needed to be. And so I don't know if that's aggressiveness and play calls. I don't like the Ravens obviously took their foot off the gas when they came into the second half of this game. Um, and so it's just trying to like get a balance for what that looks like. But at the same time, I think part of the reason why the Ravens have managed to stay healthy is because when the Ravens have gotten up or separated in terms of score in these games, we saw it happen in the Arizona game too. The Ravens have relented and they've kind of, they've kind of just gone into a shell, They've, they've run in some of those situations. They go into their base packages on defense and just let the guys play. They rotate a bunch of the guys. They keep everybody on the field. They keep everybody healthy. Um, and that's contributing to their ability to win in the first three quarters of the rest of the games. So maybe it's clunkier because they don't need to be fully functioning in their entirety all the time. And so we're, we're just being a little too critical in the bigger picture too. Cause I mean, Lamar did not play in the fourth quarter of this game. And, and I, you know, when we're being honest, that's if there's anything that I want, that's what I want. I want Lamar Jackson to have to play three quarters of this game and to be able to come out in the fourth quarter of the game. And if that's what's happening, I'm a happy camper.
2: Yeah. I, there's definitely some of that. I think that's part of, um, that's part of the reason, uh, we're at <laughs> where we are with the offense. Um, and they, they, might not have had all of the kind of reps that you would have if they weren't being so dominant <laughs> at times, um, because the defense is so dominant and that's part of it too. Like field position turnovers, et cetera. Um, I still think what I want to see is the passing game be more consistent, um, just in terms of the route combinations more open receivers, you know, it's, it's funny because I feel like the games where they actually had their worst outcomes and the two <laughs> losses, they actually had some of the best, like downfield, like passing of, of the season and the most open receivers that we've seen of the season. Um, and in the games where it's actually kind of been more of a blowout, like there's been more, um, kind of like, I don't want to say it's forced, but like, it's kind of like Lamar, like doing some crazy stuff. Like, the past couple weeks, you know, he's thrown some weird throws that only kind of like Lamar can do. (laughs) Um, And he's been really locked in. So like, he's been phenomenal all season. So that's, that's a big reason why the offense, I think, especially the passing offense has looked as good as it has, but, you know, we don't see always, you know, the open receivers against, you know, every defense there's sometimes where they're just kind of being clamped down. um, And it's not like, there's never an open receiver. Like this game, like, you know, there were some, there were some good plays that they had. Um, But I still think they need to work some things out. I I still think you need to get Rashad a little bit more involved. Um, He's one of the more consistent separators on this team. Um, For some reason, Zay Flowers was, I I don't know if it was because he was just taking attention away from other things in this game or what it was, but he, I, I was trying to, watch what he was doing and like, it just seemed like he just wasn't that involved in this game. I don't know if the game plan was just to go away from him and use him as a decoy. I don't know. But like the good news is they weren't trying to force him screen balls like over and over again. Cause I think that's another thing that the, the passing game can do. And it's not, not great. Um, it, it works sometimes and that's great when it works, but like force feeding that is, is not good luck either. So I still think the, there's a level up opportunity for the passing game. The good news is, the running game seems like it's it's you know it's it's chugging along. It it's all systems go. Um, Keaton Mitchell is that you know injection of of extra speed, quickness. Um, the the way he um, kind of presses the the hole and kind of just shoots through it in a, in a in like a split second is is so impressive. Like just seeing the difference between him and even like someone like Justice Silva, I think, is really fast like but there's a different level that he gets to that open crease and the way he kind of can make a man miss fight um, through contact balance through contact he's really seems like he's the whole package I don't know how North Ravens got him as an undrafted free agent because <laughs> he was very explosive and fast and productive in college too um, so this isn't like something that is like completely out of nowhere um, but he's he's exactly what this team needs as a, as kind of like a change of pace because Gus Edwards is um, you know, he's, he is that sh- guy in short yardage, just like short yardage. Like he's been very consistent there. Um, obviously he's racking up a touchdown. So overall I, I I'm not too concerned, but, but the, the passing game, I, I still think there needs to be more consistency there. Um, whether that's just working on f- figuring out how to attack different teams or showing you different looks or if it's, cause it seems like that's part of it. But also just, making sure that all the players are involved and that they're taking advantage of of the matchups that they have because I think there are matchups to exploit.
0: Yeah, well, it seems like it's there for the Ravens and they're just biding their time. It'll be really interesting with rematches now against Cleveland and Cincinnati, what the offensive looks like. I mean, we got notes here in our show to talk about the defense. I think we've talked about how dominant they've been, they were, they are. Um, I expect that to continue, you know, as, as we continue to move forward. But, you know, we've talked a little bit about trying to have a secret star or a guy that really stood out to us on this, you know, uh, on, on film as we've gone back and watched. And, you know, my guy this week is Adafe Owe. Um, he's getting there. I, I mean, it, it seems like he's finally coming back to health. We saw him on a couple really massive loops. Like like the Ravens have decided to let him take these insane stunts from like the the like outside of the right guard around the the left tackle. <laughs> or you know, but he's winning on the edge. He seems like he's got a game plan. I think he's gonna have a big second half um and he's gonna be a handful for some other teams. He he's right there. And it's just as Ravens pass rushes, you know, it's hard not to get excited about this group of guys.
2: Yeah, I mean away you know, obviously missed a few games. Um, I feel like he's been consistent the entire time that he's been healthy. then he's on the field. Um, between him, Clowney, and, and Van Noy, it's it's really a nice set of nice trio of pass rushers that they have. With some depth behind them, you know, you have Robinson um, and and Malik Harrison. They're mostly playing like run defense, which I think they've been solid in that those roles as well. Um, so it's a good group. You know, you have you have depth there. You mentioned Bowser earlier on. I don't know if he's going to come back. But, um, but yeah, I think away, you know, he's having the best year of his, of his career. I think, you know, despite the the injuries, he's been very productive in terms of like a person at pressure rate. Um, he had that nice nifty spin move that he used to get the sack in, in this game, which I think could potentially be, you know, kind of a signature kind of move for him. You know, I think, you know, that's what you were talking about, potentially with like Chuck Smith, like having what his impact is on these players, um, getting these guys to be able to um, figure out a plan from pass rush and not just be like doing some basic, you know, move, but actually like being able to like have counters and like a counter off of a counter and and not being so predictable in what you're trying to do to, to win on the edge. So um yeah. And along with the scheme, you know, he's, he's just been someone I, I think is on the ascension. I think he's going, going to continue to, to, to impress week in and week out. So um he didn't have the flashiest game, despite, you know, having a sack, I think it was, it was good for him. He, mi- he didn't miss a sack, unfortunately, but, um, you know, hopefully th- those turn into sacks more often than they don't. Um, You know, in terms of a, a secret star for me, I mean, it's, it's hard to really have to somebody who's, who's really underrated, but the guy who I would think about is Daryl Worley. I mentioned his name earlier. Um, he's been, you know, someone who's been in different roles for the team. He's been a core special teamer. Um, he's played cornerback for them. And this year they, they've used him at, as a safety um, and he's been a little banged up as well, but, you know, he came in and basically was splitting time and their nickel package, but not playing a corner. He was playing entirely at safety and allowed Kyle Hamilton to move down into the slot role. Um, and I thought he played well, you know, he was, he was there in, in run support as needed. He didn't really let up anything in coverage that I could see. I think he was just consistent and he, he kind of like knew what his role was in the defense and, And, you know, he might kind of fade into the background once Marcus Williams gets healthy and gets back on the field. But up until then, I think he's going to be someone who's out there a lot. And I think he deserves to have, you know, those those snaps because um, he he is someone I think that fits well into this defense. He's adapted to the the new scheme. And and, um, I I just see him as someone who's a contributor for them.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. And they need these depth performances. It also speaks to how good this team has been that guys that would have been you would have, you know, guys like Patrick Queen before the season would have been kind of secret star material because they just hadn't performed up to their level. And you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, you're just seeing guys at almost every single position performing at their top level of what you would expect from them. And so it makes it it makes it all of a sudden super hard to, to have a secret star. So, um, you know, I think Worley definitely deserves that credit um, for this team. And, you know, it, it, was, it was interesting to me watching this game because you saw a lot of really good performances, but I went back and rewatched the Cleveland game that, that Ravens had earlier this year, and the games were eerily similar to me. Um, and, I, you know, I didn't really think about that while I was watching the Seattle, this, you know, this past week's game when it was live, but then going, coming back and watching the you know, watching that game first and then watching the Cleveland game, um it just felt like the Ravens broke a couple big plays here and there um you know the Browns really ran a lot of contain the, the Browns seem legitimately obsessed with Lamar Jackson and whatever he's gonna do they always have they play a lot of man they definitely keep a spy in even though they play a lot of man they keep a spy on Lamar Jackson their ends definitely are almost always running contain um so it was interesting to see Miles Garrett. One of Miles Garrett's sacks in the original, the first Browns game, was because he spun to the inside, and it was almost like the Ravens weren't even expecting him to do that because they do it so rarely. And if Lamar would have beaten Miles Garrett to the outside on that play, then the Browns would have been screwed. Like, they, like it's almost like their style of keeping a single high safety and then like a robber slash like QB sneak guy playing man, and then being as aggressive on the pass rushes they are, is that they have to run contain. Because if they don't and Lamar gets outside of that pocket, he's going to burn them for a massive gain. And so everybody kind of has to be that it isn't one on one defending some guy in man to man, has to be looking for Lamar. And so then if Lamar gets time in the pocket, you know, and and obviously the offensive line has got to hold up, then he's going to break it down and he's going to find a guy open, deep when he needs to. And the same kind of thing happened in the Seattle game. When the, when the, um, when the pass rush held up it was like the one play to the flowers once the pass rush holds up then he's going to go ahead and he's going to find his guy and he's going to make you he's going to make you kind of do whatever you need to do on defense if you're not if you're going to kind of get to him early on the ravens have good they've much improved their kind of short passing game and they're like kind of hot route style game and they're just going to take those three four or five yards at a time and they're going to grind you out and that's what they basically did the same thing to the Browns until they broke some of those plays. I think that there's an opportunity in this game on offense to see these big play guys end up having a big game, right? Like same kind of story. It's like the Mark Andrews touchdown in the back of the end zone in the to end the first half in the Browns game first go around. I think it's going to be Keaton Mitchell, Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers. Those guys are going to make high-impact splash plays when they need to along with Lamar. Um, and that's going to be the difference in this game. Otherwise, they're just going to keep churning and burning with everybody else, they're gonna take their two or three yards, they're not gonna take sacks, Lamar is gonna do his thing not to take big losses. And if they can avoid the turnovers, I mean I I just even as good as the Cleveland Cleveland's defense is, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Cleveland's defense, I still think that the Ravens have just they're not efficient. And it's kinda of like what we talked with this about what in, in this related to this past Seattle game. They they just they're just they get it done.
2: <laughs> yeah, they um that's one of the things that's been most impressive about them this year. They've, they've figured out how to kind of, like you said, get it done. Um, the, the only times where they haven't is is when they've had the two losses and they've kind of just made those mistakes in the, in the big games. Um, for, but for the most part, I feel like they've they've been executing really at a high level in pretty clutch situations. Um, you know, the Browns game was a perfect example of that. You mentioned some of the big plays that Lamar made. There they, was a, a wheel route to um, – uh, to Melvin Gordon, I think it was on third down. It was a big play, but I think led to a score. Obviously, there was a long conversion to to say Flowers on a broken play where Lamar was just scrambling and buying time. Like those are the kind of plays that Lamar Jackson can give you, um, you know, outside of structure, um, and and that is something that you know is a, is a difference maker in in a lot of ways. Um, you know, something that other top you know quarterbacks do in the league. You know, talking about your Patrick Mahomes or your or Josh Allen, like, yeah, they're, they're great. But part of that greatness is the ability to kind of improvise when needed, you know, to, to make a player miss and like extend and let your guy get open. Um, Lamar did that a lot in the last game. And, and that Browns went and it didn't always show up in the box. Score. I mean, some of them did turn into big plays, but it was like what got it there was, was more than just, you know, hitting it on a, on an easy throw field. It was, it was an exceptional, um, Often acrobatic kind of, um, play that had to be made in order to get to that point, point. Um, and that, and that can often be the difference in win or loss. Or you know, in this case, in the past couple of weeks, between blowouts and like close games, because in, in a lot of ways, you know, the, the the difference it does come down to a few plays, and it, 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 whether or not you convert on like a key third down to like extend a drive um, that puts you up two scores as opposed to you know up one. Um, games can get out of hand really quickly if you do that consistently. Um, and that's what they've been able to do when they've been on this hot streak. So I, I definitely hope to see that continue. I, I, You said the Browns do have a good defense. They have some really good players up front. Um, I think the Ravens are probably a little bit better prepared this time. They have healthier offensive line. Um, Stanley, hopefully is full health. We'll see about Morgan Moses, if he's right, good to go. Um, I haven't looked at the injury report for this week to see how if he's practicing or if he's expected he to play. Practicing. Okay, that's a good sign then. Um, but I, I, you know, I, th- I think you know part of the reason why they struggled so much last last time they played Cleveland was because of the offensive line of having you know, um, you know Makari in there and and Falele in their tackle instead of Moses and Stanley. Um, and I think you know it, it does make a big difference having your starters, especially at those key positions. Um, so so we'll see. Um, I feel optimistic, um, you know, having Keaton Mitchell in the fold now as someone who's actually a contributor, potentially a big contributor um, could be really huge. I, I think the Browns can be run on. That's one of their weaknesses this season. They've taken, they've taken a few hits in the, in the running game. I think their pass defense is probably a little bit better than their run defense, um, especially their pass rush. So I try to run at, I try to run right at them, um, kind of get set that tone right away. Um, and then on defense, you know, I don't think that the Ravens have too much to worry about. You know, Cleveland <laughs> offense isn't, isn't amazing. They have, you know, one guy you're kind of scared of in terms of his downfield ability um, with, uh, oh, Amari name Cooper. Mark Cooper, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Brain fart there for a second. Um, you know, the, other than that, it's kind of just a bunch of guys. You know, they, they traded away, you know, People's Jones, who has been at times a good receiver for them you know, Elijah Moore, they brought in off season. He's caught a lot of balls, but hasn't been that productive for them. So, um, you know, obviously they don't have their, their their best running back, um, which sucks for them, but I mean, he's, they're not the same team without Nick Chubb and, and, you know, they don't have the best quarterback either. They I mean, Deshaun Watson probably had his best game of the week or the series season last week. Um, so I don't know if he's getting hot or feeling healthier or, or what, but, um, they're also playing against Arizona. He's not very good. So, um, I, I don't expect uh, the Browns offense to to give the Ravens defense too many concerns, but they have to play sound. They have to be, they have to be good up front. They have to be disciplined. Um, but I think they'll be able to get pressure. And I think, and I think Sean Watson is going to, you know, turn the ball over a couple of times. That's that's what I'm expecting.
0: Yeah. I think they've got to be a little careful about D Ford who has looked okay. Um, and some of these kind of like outside zone runs that the fans. likes to put in place, worry a little bit about the play action on the backside and what, what might be coming from that, but overall, yeah, I mean, it's 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 not like Deshaun Watson had a great game last week. He was 19 for 30 for 219 yards um, and two touchdowns. So um, you know, it's not it wasn't an overwhelming performance. They had 40 carries in the game only for 113 yards. So the score was much more. You know, in the same way that I talked about how the Ravens are going to be a team that drives high scoring, high differential games from their defense. That's kind of what Cleveland got. And then, I mean, we just, obviously you're going to get a better performance than what we saw in the first go around. I mean, that was the uh, um, the quarterback, DTR, was awful for Cleveland in, in that first go around. And the Ravens shut it down early on both sides of the ball because of how awful that he was. They knew that there was just no chance that Cleveland was coming back in that game. They were going to let him mess it up if they if he could, and, and he did consistently. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Deshaun Watson can rise above that. We haven't seen that since he's been with Cleveland. And the games that he has played, I think the Ravens are going to hit him. I think it's going to like keep him banged up. And so, you know, it, it's hard just not to look at this game in Baltimore. Inten- High-intensity game. I think Baltimore is going to come with it this week and the following week because they know that these two games are huge. that they can get through both of them and be 9-2, and two, it almost guarantees – that they want, they're going to, they're going to win the division. And it puts them in, in the front driver's seat. I think at that point to be in a real position to take the one seed. And so they know that and they're going to be ready. These are teams that they don't need to do a lot to prepare for. And so I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a nice little run of seven days here for us starting, uh, starting tomorrow from Thursday to Thursday for, for these Ravens games. Um, I, I have high expectations for what we're going to see in these next two games.
2: Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think that the Ravens are, um, you know, in a critical stretch, but this is really, I think, setting up for them to be um, in a position where they can really put distance between them and their AFC North um, division um, members. Um, And I think the Bengals are probably the team to be a little bit concerned about. You know, they're, they're also on a hot streak, obviously, um, there's been a lot of talk about the Bengals, Joe Burrow getting healthy, like this is the real Bengals, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think he was pretty healthy when he played the Ravens in the first week. Um, he didn't reinjure himself until the very end of that game. Um, he might've not have been like fully 100%, but to be honest, the Ravens in recent years have owned the Bengals. Um, they they have they don't allow the Bengals to do what they want to do on offense, Um, and they have the players and the scheme, I think, to really counter them. So I, you know, it it is a little bit hard not to look ahead a little bit because it is a Thursday game. So you have a short week. So I think you actually do have to prepare a little bit for them both in this kind of run up to both games, um, because you don't have time to really do a full prep for the Bengals. So you, um, but you can't let this game be ignored either. So, um, I'm, I'm just, anticipating them to win pretty handily, but but it might be closer to them than what I'm, I'm hoping. Uh,
0: you know, I'm just like just thinking of Cincinnati for a second. I'm just not that impressed with their win. So like their their big win against the Niners is coming off a bye week, right? Like any like any time, and the Niners were reeling at that time. We're talking about a home game against the Seahawks that they won seventeen to thirteen. So if you just compare apples to apples between the Ravens. Um, and the Bengals in that case, they were only able to beat the Bills by six points. The Bills defense has been a hot mess, and they were only able to put 24 points up on them. I think they are going to, they're going to, the Bengals are going to be better defensively, but I just, I, I don't, I'm not seeing it. And you know what? They're going to get tested because CJ Stroud has been really good against everybody apparently this year, except Baltimore in week one, of the start of the season for the Texans. And so um, I think that's going to be an interesting test. For Cincinnati especially and then Cincinnati's schedule after that is just I mean it's almost as like it's as the Ravens have a rough schedule but they've got the Ravens the Steelers the Jaguars the Colts the Vikings the Steelers the Chiefs and the Browns I mean they're, they're not going to get a break for the rest of the year um and so the Ravens can really put it on their throat by by taking both these games so I think I think you're right it's probably going to be closer than we want it to be just because the Ravens uh, just because it's the NFL I already talked about that it's hard to win two games against any team in a given year Um, but you gotta like the Ravens chances this week. Um, and, and I'm excited for it.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, I, I do think pretty much across the board, they're, they're a better team. I mean, if you're looking at the rosters, really the only place where Cleveland, I think sacks up better is at defensive end. Like that, that's the one position where, you know, they have the elite, you know, game changing player. You know, the Ravens have good players, I think on the edge, but not quite at that same level. So, um, that's what he has a game plan around, you know, don't let miles Garrett win that game for them. Because I think if it turns out that the Ravens do end up losing it, it's going to be because of, of Garrett. He's the guy who's going to be the person who's ma- messing it up for the Ravens. So I, I'm not trying to speak that into existence, but I know that they know that he's the, the guy that they have to block, that they have to double. Um, I think, this might be a game where Patrick Ricard is on the field a little bit more than he has been. That he's out there helping out in pass protection. He's been good at that this season. So um, we'll, we'll see. You know, I mean, the game's coming at us in a few days, so we're excited. We'll, we'll come back. We'll tell you what we what we think, what we saw, um, and you know, hopefully we can just keep this 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 rolling this, this win streak. We like to see uh, every single every single W adding up.
0: Yep, and I'll throw it out there now. Gabe and I are going to be out in Las Vegas for um, the F1 race the following week. So we're going to be in Vegas for the Cincinnati game, trying to find somewhere to watch the game. So if anybody's out there and also getting some F1 action in and they're trying to figure out where they want to watch the game, uh, make sure to let us know. We'd love to catch the game with you, talk a little Ravens, um get a little excited about what's going on for this season um we're excited for this week we're we're excited for the season and uh looking forward to what the ravens bring to bring bring at home against cleveland in this upcoming week so we'll catch you guys soon in the situation room and uh we're we're excited uh, to talk to you soon